Vanilla Church here. <laughs> but uh, I, um, I actually made a mistake. My brain is not working. You ever, you're, you ever have your morning be kind of crazy and your brain's not working? Yeah. So that's not the best. I'm going to say a prayer so my brain can be working as I preach the word. But um, <clears throat> we, I just want all, all you guys to listen up so you don't make this mistake. I made a mistake. We do have midweek this Wednesday night. So I know you're excited about hearing that. Um, I thought we had another Wednesday in April, I guess. But uh, it's the first and last. So either way, I was messed up. The first and last of every week, uh, of every month, we're going to be having midweek, okay? So if I say an announcement wrong, you know to not listen to me. Look, look, look at the calendar. But we are going to have a great time, and uh, Bob and Barb, I believe, are going to be doing a lesson on family, which will be awesome, from the 165 group. Uh, that'll be awesome, and we can't wait to hear from them. So... Let us pray and get into the message. We're going to be uh, starting in Philippians 4 today, which will be awesome in our, in our series. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for this time. And God, I do pray that you would help me, Father, as I preach your word today, to be clear-minded, to, to preach uh, with your Holy Spirit's guidance in a powerful way, God, as the Bible says in 1 Peter, God, help me, Father, to speak as if you were speaking, Lord. God, that is such an amazing task. Who is equal to it, Father? But God, I step up right now and I ask you to use me to do that, God, because I know this message is so important, Lord. This message is about, Father, truly uh, being able to rejoice in all circumstances, God, to be able to rejoice in this restless world. God, and I ask you, Lord, to help us to get this message, each one of us, to understand this message. If we're, if we're studying the Bible, God, help us to get this message so that we can get our names in the book of life, Father. Father, if our names are in the books of life already, God, help us to realize how blessed we are and to rejoice Amen. no matter what circumstance we're going through. God, I know this message is for me. It's for all that live in this world, God. Uh, help us, Lord. Help us as we look into your word. Uh, this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we're going to start in Genesis, but um, Genesis, but we're, our main text is going to be uh, Philippians 4, verse 1 through 7, okay? We're going to start in Genesis, because that's where Genesis starts, right? Um, but uh, we're going to go through, actually, three sermons in Philippians 4, because I feel like it's so incredible. Philippians 4 is one of my favorite chapters, without a doubt, and uh, Trenton even has a, a, a tattoo, Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I said, when did you get that? He said, senior year in high school. I was like, wow. He was thinking about Jesus in his senior year. I wasn't even thinking about Jesus my senior year in high school. And uh, it's a true statement. And if there's anything to put on your arm, that's certainly uh, the, the tattoo to put on there. But, um, you know, as we've gone through this series, it's been incredible to look at how... This man, Paul, is in jail in Rome, chained to a, 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 a Roman guard, can't go anywhere. Church is in chaos. There's circumcision groups all over the place, uh, just attacking churches. There's challenges happening. Paul might face death, and yet he is rejoicing his head off as he writes this incredible 
book in Philippians. He says the word joy and rejoicing uh, over 18 times. He, he says Christ every third or fourth line. He's saying Christ. He's saying Jesus. And, and that should tell you something right there that ha- the only way we can be joyful in all circumstances if we focus on Christ. Amen. The only way we can really be focused on Christ is if we're deliberately thinking about Christ. Amen. If we're really remembering that Christ is the most important thing. And, and this study in, in this chapter has helped me. It's been very timely in helping me. Chapter 1 talks about joy in living. In the sense that, you know, as, as Paul was speaking, he had the joy of living in Christ. And he says, to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So many quotations that we love out of this book in Philippians. And then chapter 2 talks about the joy in serving. And how Jesus was a humble, selfless servant. And that's where his joy came from. His joy came from serving others and forgetting himself. And that anxiety is really self-centered, if you think about it. We're thinking too much of ourselves. Uh, when we're anxious, we have to forget ourselves, and like Jesus did, and and not consider right uh, uh, ourselves first before others, Amen. And, and that's where the true joy comes from is when we forget ourselves. I'm not saying not take care of ourselves. I'm not saying not we have to think about ourselves. We have to fill ourselves up to be poured out. But if our f- focus is self-centered on us, we lose the joy. Amen. Then it speaks about the joy in sharing and knowing Christ. The joy in sharing uh, not only our, the good news, but just our relationship with Christ. Amen? And not just sharing our relationship with Christ, but sharing in knowing Christ. Sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Sharing in the very power of resurrection of Christ. And that's a super deep passage that all he wants to know, joy is knowing Christ. Joy is knowing Jesus Christ. And then lastly, I love this one, the joy in resting. Joy in resting. The joy in resting in Christ. The peace that passes understanding. Guys, won't we want that so much? Who feels like they had a restless week this week? I mean, are you kidding me? Things come at us all the time. And if you have more kids in your household, more beings in your household, you know this is going to happen as your family grows so does the restlessness grow. I took Josh to the bus stop, took him to the bus stop, you know, for five minutes. I just took out Lulu, amen? And this is a very minor restlessness. Just took out Lulu for a walk, you know, did everything right, peed and poop, awesome. Got him back in there, put him back in. I got his food ready, and I took you know, uh, you know, Josh out for a little uh, uh, quick talk, and we had a nice time before he went on the bus. Feeling good. Got my coffee. Everything's going great. Then I come home, and Manny says, Lulu pooped in the basement. <laughs> Two times. <laughs> I was like, what? So I go down, and I smell the putridness of, of the downstairs basement. And he did it in two places. And you know how the dogs give you that look. <laughs> he knew, she knew he was, she was in trouble and she ran away from me. And uh, amen, you know, he's a puppy, so we understand. But I think that the thing I wanted to start in Genesis with is, is really how, that's a funny way that the world is restless. Amen. That's a funny example. Although in the moment I wasn't too excited. I had to light candles the whole day. Amen. Down there. <laughs> 
um, to burn off that smell. But in Genesis chapter 3, I want us to talk about something that's so important for us to understand the joy in all circumstances. And it's the lie that you're going to find the garden in this life. You're not going to find your garden in this life. You're not going to find the perfect life right now. You're not going to have your ducks in a row. You're never going to have them. They're all going to fall down. There's some of them going to be up and then some of them going to be down. You are not going to have life all figured out and you can't ever have it figured out. Life isn't going to be perfect. It's never going to be a place where you can feel peace from just living in it. This is the lie that we tell ourselves. That if we get a little skinnier, if, our, if we get a job increase in our pay, if we do a little better in school, if we get that girl, if we get that guy, you know, if we can really just have an organized, balanced schedule in our lives. <laughs> balance. <laughs> That's a joke right there. You know, I, I, I'm, not the, I'm not the oldest person in the room, but I'm 40 years old and I've been trying for 40 years to go back to the Garden of Eden and I haven't been able to do it. And we know that Adam and Eve messed everything up. No, I'm saying they they did kind of mess stuff up for us. And in Genesis chapter 3 verse 17, I wanted to look at this before we jump into Philippians. It says in verse 17 to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife, now, that's not, a, not saying you shouldn't listen to your wife. It's not me, it's the Bible. We ultimately need to listen to God first, amen? And ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. But the sweat of, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, from dust you are, and dust you will return. Now, I wanted to start with the bad news first. Amen? This is the bad news. Stop trying to get to Eden. You can't get there. Guess what's in store for you? Sweat. Thorns. Thistles, restlessness. Now you go, wow, Glenn's not in a good mood today. (laughs) No, I think I'm actually more joyful now because I I accept this. I'm starting to accept that there's never going to be that perfect day. You know, I I love Van Morrison. These are the days, you know. And he starts singing that song, you know, about how he has tough days and he has good days, right? I love that song. And that's the truth about life. Life is beautiful. And there are moments in life where it does feel like Eden's wind has blown my way. That I see a little bit of it. And it's beautiful. And a lot of times it's it's through relationships that I see Eden the most. But the truth is, there's always going to be restlessness in your life. Stop trying to avoid the restlessness. Stop trying to get away from the restlessness. Stop trying to deny the restlessness. It's coming. It has come. It will continue to come. Amen? 
And the sooner we know that, the better we are. Amen? Amen. You know, news of sickness is coming. News of layoffs, bills, the needs of family and kids, mental illness, debt, the demands of a career or job, relationship problems, news, sickness, unrest, danger. You know, how can we rejoice in this restless world? How can we rejoice when we hear this news? You know, we, we can think about things in the present or we can think about them in the future. See, Glenn, well, that's great. Appreciate that. Someday I'll go to heaven. But how do I live right today? And that's what Paul has addressed. He said, listen, you're living a restless world. You're going to have challenges in your life. Amen? We all do. You know my challenges. I know your challenges. You know, we're, we're friends here. Amen? And we, we all face different challenges in our lives. You know, we all grew up differently. We all grew up sometimes in challenges in, 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 without maybe a father, without a, without a mother. We've seen challenging things already in our lives. This is what was prophesied. This is what was prophesied. And you go, why did God even allow us to be there? That's another sermon for another time. But right now, we're talking about this restless world. Accept it. You live in a restless world, and it's going to be like that. It's imperfect, and it's only getting worse. Let's just let that just sit in. You know, false expectations, don't they mess you up? You know, I love just hearing it as it was. You know what? You're, you're not going to make the team. You know what? This is what's going to happen. You know what? We lost all the money. I want, rather hear that up front than having hope deferred. What's it say in the Bible? Hope deferred makes what? The heart sick. Sounds like a depressed person. Sounds like somebody who's really sad. Now, I have lived a tremendously blessed life. I am super blessed. I have so many blessings in my life, and I do enjoy my life. I enjoy my life better when I stop thinking I'm going to Eden. If I just do this, I'll be in Eden. Now, we don't say that to ourselves. What does Eden represent? Eden represents peace. You know, what are all the commercials trying to get you to do? If you get this, you'll have Eden in your life. You know, I love even the, the guy from state, Nationwide is on your side. You know that, that guy who sings? Yeah. Nationwide is on your side. And he's just sitting there, you know, singing his R&B thing. You know what I mean? And then, and then that guy's trying to get his, like, bag <laughs> at the airport. You know what I mean? And, and he sees the, the, the couple who, who are newly retired. And they're going hitting, you know, going golfing. Mm-hmm. And they're smiling. And he looks at them like, oh, man, I got to go to work. <laughs> and, and that's what Nationwide is trying to get you to go, oh, you know, you just got to save some money and do this life insurance thing. And you'll, then you'll be able to go, go golfing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. But the truth is, what if so-and-so gets sick? What if? They, you break up because you work too hard. You know, these are things that happen in life, amen? Unfortunately, what can we trust in? What is sure? Where is Eden? Psalm 62, let's go there. Whoa, Glenn, I need encouragement. You're getting it, don't worry, you're going to get encouragement. I want to tell you the bad news up front. 
It's the real news. It's not fake news. It's the real news. You're not in Eden. You're not going to get there. You're going to have a headache. You're going to get that migraine. Your kid's going to act up. There's going to be challenges. Where can we find rest? Verse 1, Psalm 62. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. See, the Christian lives in the restless world but can rejoice. Because he's not focusing on this life. Only things in this life. He's able to put those spiritual glasses on. She's able to put those spiritual glasses on and see the world through heaven's eyes. Through the eyes of Jesus. Through the eyes of the Bible. Amen? Amen. You know, thinking about this, someday we will reach the paradise of God. Amen? Amen. Revelation 2.7 says, Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's us. To the one who is victorious, I'll give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. So, uh, Revelation 22.14 says, Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may go through the gates into the city. You know, someday we will eat the tree of life. Someday we'll be in Eden. Someday we will feel the peace. We'll feel the wholeness. We'll feel right. Amen. We'll feel fulfilled. But in the meantime, stop looking for it in this world. This world won't give it to you. This world has pieces of God in it, wonderful things about God in it, things that God gave us to enjoy. But if we miss God, we miss the big, big picture. What did Paul say? It's all rubbish compared to knowing Christ. You know, Paul had a deep conviction that I think he went through it and he understood it, that he stopped expecting Eden right now. We're talking to a guy who saw the third heaven who was taken up in the third heaven, didn't want to boast about it. He saw what was coming. And he said, guys, it's rubbish down here compared to what God has in store for us. And I still enjoy my life, and I still can enjoy the blessings God gives us. But when you have false expectations, what happens? You get frustrated and you get angry. Who's been frustrated and angry this week? Why is this happening to me? You ever ask yourself that question? Go to Genesis 3.17 and you'll find the reason. Go to Genesis 3.17 and you'll find the reason. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. So now what do we do? You just told me I can't reach Eden. You told me nationwide is not on my side. You told me that, you know, um, there's just going to be poop waiting for me when I get home from doing my fatherly duties. That's the new movie coming out. There will be poop. <laughs> that was a little gross. Sorry. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. I mean Revelation. Sorry. Philippians 4, verse 1. Got excited there. Let's turn there. Really, two simple points today. Two simple things we're going to look at today in seven verses. The first is rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. 
That's, that's what you've got to rejoice in. Your name is written there. And the second thing is to rejoice in the Lord always. Now, you go, well, that's, those are really kind of bland points, bro. You'll see where I'm going with this. Let's read verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Iodia and Syntyche to be in the, the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they're contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. You know, Paul respected women so much. They were key people in the church. They were huge people in the church. They were heroes, women that were tremendous heroes in the church. And Paul... They had strong opinions, and they had strong ways they think the church should be. Amen? I appreciate all the sisters that are in the room right now. Because you guys help us be better. Without you, we can't be the church. Without you, we can't think like Christ. And these women had opinions, amen? And when you have two women that are opinionated, and they're thinking differently, you know what happens they get into a little bit of a, a conflict. And this was such a conflict that Paul, uh, the sisters are like, yeah, amen, amen. You know, but Paul realized that this was getting a little bit uh, m- more than usual. And so he even addressed this publicly. And I think what it was beautiful about how he addressed it, he didn't take anyone's side. He said, guys, you can work it out. Stand firm and work it out. You can do it. You can work it out. Your names are written in the book of life. Interesting how he uses that to inspire unity. It's interesting how he uses that to inspire unity in the church. It's sometimes, so you got life coming at you, right? And then you're fighting with people in the church? Man, Satan is like, oh yeah, now we got it going. He's tempting you with feeling isolated. And that's what was happening with these two women. They were having a hard time. And he's like, we're on the same side, amen? Remember that your names are written in the book of life. What did Jesus say in Luke 10, 20? He said, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. It's funny how he uses rejoice, that your names are written in heaven. You know, Paul is speaking about the fact that there is a recorded written registry that only God knows that provides security for the Christian. Christ promises that in the book of Revelation that God will never erase the believer's name from the book of life. That fires me up. I'm always on the team. I can't get kicked off. You know? You know, uh, Magic told his point guard in the Lakers, this is going to be a big summer for you, Mello. Big summer. You better get better, or you're going to be taking a hike. You know? Your second round, your second round draft pick, 
you better have a big, important summer, meaning you better train and get better. You know, sometimes we can feel like we're not doing what Christ wants us to do all the time. But if we stay faithful, if we stand firm, our names will be forever written in the book of life. If a person is clothed with eternal righteousness, then they are written in the book of life. Make no mistake, they're eternally secure forever. Man, that's incredible, just knowing no matter what's going on. Like the song says, I'm sometimes up, I'm sometimes down, but my soul is heavenly bound. We're going to sing that the next song after the sermon. Amen. You know, that, 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 that our souls are heavenly bound, that that is the motivation behind standing firm and being unified. That when you're feeling like, oh, this is a restless world, I want you to think about your name in the book of life. I want you to think about the fact that even though it's stressful right now, even though I'm, I'm going through a lot right now, my name is written in the book of life. It will never be blotted out. It is stained and written by the blood of Jesus. It's in the blood of Jesus in that kind of power because we have been bought with his blood. You know, are your, is your name written in heaven? That is a great question. Because if you're like, you know, I really want it to be, but I don't know. If you're not 100% sure, i got good news for you. You can get it written. It's free. It was already paid for you on the, on the, on the cross. Yeah. Talk with someone and say, how can I get my name written as quickly as possible in the book of life? Because it doesn't take, perfection is not how you get your name written in the book of life. Because guess what? You've already seen me make like about 15 mistakes already up here. You know? But my names are written in the book of life because the Bible promises things. And says if you do these things, I promise you, you'll be in the book of life. How do we rejoice in this world? We have to rejoice by remembering our names are written in the book of life. And I know... For Christians that have been around a long time, that seems like old news. But when you're there and you see God and you fall down on your face and he calls your name, that's not going to be old. When he says, Glenn Petruzzi, come forth. I'm going to pop up. (laughs) Quickest burpee I've ever done in my life. And I'm going to get up and say, did you call my name? You've been a knucklehead in this life. (laughs) But I've used the foolish things of this world. Come in. (laughs) Come in. Well done, good and faithful servant. I want you to think about, when it gets old, I want you to think about Judgment Day. When it gets old, I want you to think about what's it going to be like when he calls your name. It doesn't become old when you think about that. And it makes everything else disappear. What poop? What mental challenge do I have? What, what schoolwork? What job problem? What, who cares? All that stuff is going to be burned away. It's going to vaporize. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. So with that in mind... We get the final exhortations. I love that. Final exhortations. You don't want them to end. Don't you want to just... Oh, it was like Philippians 15. You know what I mean? 
be awesome. But, you know, he didn't have enough paper, I guess. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. Let's do that again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I read this relatively quick, but this is a scripture that you have to read slow. Amen. As slow as you possibly can. Because in this is the verb of rejoicing. In this is how do we rejoice? How do we actually rejoice in the Lord when we're feeling anxious? You know, it's easy to rejoice in the Lord when we win something. You won a prize, two Celtics tickets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that, that can be easy to rejoice. I remember I won a three-on-three competition and Celtics tickets. Fired up. Got free Celtics tickets, free refreshments. I'm bringing my stuff to the thing. And it's the old Boston Garden, right? And there was a big pillar right in front of my face. Yes. I was like, what is this? I won the three-point contest, three-on-three competition. What? How come there's a big pillar in my way? And of course, the Lord provided seats down there. And I got to go down there. So, you know, I felt it was right in my heart. But, you know, it, it is interesting how, you know, even in the rejoicing moments, there's that pillar in front of you. That the reminder that we're not in Eden anymore. Right? Toto. You know, Rejoicing is a verb. How do we rejoice? Well, the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. I love this scripture because rejoice in the Lord always. You could say it two different ways. Rejoice in the Lord always. Like in everything, rejoice. When there's challenges, rejoice. Or it could mean solely, like only rejoice in the Lord always. I like the second one because the second one helps me not be disappointed. Because the Lord will never disappoint in the end. That I'm just putting before you that I'm, this is how we're going to rejoice as a church if we only rejoice in the Lord. Now, if God blesses you with something, you can rejoice in the Lord and thank Him for it. Because every good gift comes from God. So that way you can rejoice always in the Lord. But don't rejoice that that spirits submit to you. Don't rejoice that you got the raise. Don't rejoice that, that you lose five pounds. Rejoice that the Lord gave you the chance to do that, and you can glorify him in that. Amen. It says, let your gentle be, be known to all. See what happens when we're, not, we're anxious? We're not gentle. Yeah. It is a fruit of our peace, yeah. gentleness. And you know when you're gentle when you're not gentle. Different people have different tones. You know, some people a little bit more tonal naturally. Other people, you can just see it on their face. How you doing? You know, not so good, bro. You know, and, and all of us, how do we, why are we gentle? Because the Lord is near. His coming back is near. His coming back is near. And because of that, He is near to us, too, in the Holy Spirit, in the form of the Holy Spirit. So he's here right now. His presence is with you right now. 
in the midst of all the challenges you have, His presence is with you. Amen. Let it be evident to all. Relax. This is what helps me. This is my Glenn version. I'm never going to write a Bible. Like, you know, out, you know like, like the message, you know, Eugene Peterson, I'm like, how do you even do that, Eugene? You know, he's like, I'm just going to write a Bible and what words I think would be cool. And uh, he did a great job, but I would do a terrible job. But if I was going to make this, and I think we all should do it when we do our quiet times and make our own Bible, what kind of words will help you to get the scripture? And I'm not saying change the words or anything like that. I mean, what's going to help you connect? What, what helps me with this, if I was going to put this in it? Relax. God's got this. Relax. God's in control. That helps me feel gentle. That helps me feel like, oh, okay, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Because anxiety is normally something that puts people in a paralyzed state because of things they cannot control. We try to control things when we can't. You know, and, and I've been learning that I don't want to control them. It's too much to think about. You know, the, the word for anxiety or anxiousness is marinao, which it sounds like a cool word, but it's a deadly word. What does it mean? It means to be anxious, to be apprehensive, to be gun shy. You know, you, you, just, you, you just live in this fearful place. It's the opposite of peace. It refers to an excessive concern over things beyond our control. With distressing burdens and fears. Here's the thing. We got to live in the present we got to think about the future, but we have to live in the present. You go, how do you do that? Well, think about your name's written in heaven. I want you to go to the distant future, not tomorrow. God doesn't call us to worry about tomorrow. If you read your Bible, right, it says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. That doesn't encourage me necessarily, but it directs me. Amen? Yeah. love how Jesus says tomorrow is going to have enough trouble of its own. So don't worry about it. And I'm like, you know what? You ever have like something big the next day and you're like, I'm just not even going to think about it. And you do better that next day, whatever happens. You know, you do what you can do, but that's it, all you can do. You know, worry is an epidemic, guys, in our country. Do you know that? One out of every three people struggle with anxiety. And it's challenge of some type. And it's so challenging for me because, you know, I realize that this is something that is very complicated. It's very complicated in our world. It can't be just something, oh, oh, you're not being faithful, bro. That's not. It's more than that. There's so many factors. It, it's ultimately a, a broken world. Is it in our food? Is it in our, the air? Is, where is it? I don't even know where it is. But I know what's happening in people's lives. But God has an antidote. God has the cure. And there's obviously great medical things that are out there. There's great resources we have. But ultimately, God is what makes us whole. 
You know, the word shalom is what Hebrew word for peace is. And he says that through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we have to present our request to God. You know, another version of mine is give it to God and leave it with God. Don't you love when you delegate something that's been burdening you? And the guy's like, oh, I'll take that. No problem. Brandon is my man for that, man. He is a Timothy of Timothys. You know, we had to get to the mic stands the other day, and I had four games, one opening day, two photo shoots, busy day going on. And we wanted to get these mic stands, amen, and, and I called Brandon up, and he goes, I got you, bro. He always says, I got you. That's what he texts back. I got you, bro. I'm like, you got me, bro? <laughs> so encouraged about that. You know, and I know people are limited. They can't take all of our burdens. You can't call Brandon up and say, every burden you have. He can't do it, amen? Nor does he want to. And that's a little burden that we as humans can, but there's deep burdens, challenges that no person could take on. But God, when you call God up in prayer, he says, I got this. Let me handle this. This is what I want you to do. But I'll take most of it. And I believe that's what God wants us to do, is to leave it in his hands, to pray and petition him. Say, God, I, I can't handle this without you. Once you say that, you've already won. You're starting to feel peace already. I thank you that my name is written in the book of life and that all of this someday will mean nothing. This will be a faint memory. This challenge will be something that I forget. You ever forget challenges, even on earth, that you had? I remember my dad said, remember when you went through this? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? Remember when you did this? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I got an in-school suspension for that. <laughs> you know, at the time, it was really hard in middle school. You know what I mean? Going through that, I was a little bit of a troublemaker. And, and I was going through some tough things. And I forgot about that challenge. Think about eternity, what that's going to feel like. My name's written in the book of life. And therefore, this challenge is just going to be vaporized someday. It's going to be forgotten in my own mind. But now, it's still on my mind, Lord. <laughs> so I petition you right now to take it. Take this over. I give it to you, Lord. I give you this challenge, and I say, Lord, direct others to help me. Send your angels. Send your doctors. Send your, your people. Send friends. Send enemies. Send anyone to help me, Lord, in this area. And watch what he does. Watch what he does. I know it will turn it to the good, though. That's what Romans 8.28 says. And it's not a cliche, cliche scripture anymore for me. I have to confess it used to be. People used to say it all the time. God's going to work the good for you, bro. Amen, bro. But can you say something other than that? God's going to work the good for you, bro. That's what he says. You love him. Romans 8.28. But as I've gone older and I've seen it happen, it's become less cliche. He works the good. He's going to work the good. 
you know, even though worry is an epidemic, it can be vaporized over time through prayer and petition. I want to talk about just three practical things to do in prayer that's been helping me lately. The first thing is be self-aware. I don't know about you, but we're so fast, we don't even know what we feel anxious about. It just comes out sometimes. Rah! Hey, bro, what happened to you? I don't know. We're not aware sometimes of what's going on in our lives. We're just running around. You ever ask a bee, how you feeling, bee? The bee's not going to talk to you. You're just going away. That's sometimes how we are. We can be so busy. We're moving so much. We're not still. The Lord commands us, be still and know I'm God. While you're still, how am I doing? Ask the question, am I anxious for nothing? What am I anxious about, Lord? Write it down. Write down what you're anxious about. It's a good exercise. Before you pray. Then I want you to write down promises in God's word that combat those anxieties. That's the second thing. And then I want you to bring those promises and smash those anxious thoughts and give them to God in prayer. Present in a humble way. The hardest part of this thing is thanksgiving. I thank you, God, for this challenge. Because I know in this other challenge, it brought out amazing things in me. And this will bring out something amazing in me as well. And then after you finish praying, the Bible says, you'll feel the peace of Christ. The peace of God that transcends all understanding. You know, when I think about transcends, I feel like teleportion. Thinks about, I think about Star Trek. You go, that's a weird mind you have, Glenn. Yes, I am. But you know how you can just teleport somewhere? Beam me up, Scotty, you know? I have a secret to tell you. That in that moment in prayer, you do go to Eden. You, you, for a moment, you're back there. For a moment, you can be back there when you're in fellowship with God. Because fellowship with God is eating. Fellowship with God is shalom. Shalom is, doesn't just mean peace in the Bible. It means something more than just the absence of hostility. <laughs> you know, like war times. It's more than just an inner sense of well-being. It's so much more than that of a word. It means wholeness. Wholeness. For a moment, you're going to feel whole. You can feel whole when you fellowship with God. You're going to feel harmony. You're going to feel flourishing, delight, fulfillment, joy, peace. You know, someone once said, that shalom is the dream of God for a world set right. I love that. Shalom is the dream of God to set the world right. And even though our brows sweat and the thistles grow and the thorns prick us and we live in a restless world, if we follow this incredible text here, verse, seven verses, we can be in Eden on earth. Amen. 
We can go back there and we can watch God give you shalom. Wholeness, harmony, and peace. Be self-aware, church. Know what you feel. It's important to know what you feel because in this world of text messages and tweets and Instagram posts and all the other stuff that goes on in our lives, it's hard sometimes to stop and think. Be self-aware. How are you feeling right now? Bring a promise to God. Bring God's word into it. A weapon, amen, against anxiety. And then pray about those things. And watch God give you peace. Watch God give you the ability to rejoice in this restless world. Amen.